Welcome to Wizard Team, a Black magical podcast for Black magical stories. Hi everyone, it's Bayana, Robin, and Portia embarking on a journey through the many fantasy stories written by and about Black people. Currently, we're reading Amari and the Night Brothers by B.B. Alston, and today we're discussing Chapter 10. Well, previously on Wizard Team, <laughs> first off, it's Happy New Year. To go down. Oh, pew, pew. I guess I don't have like the, I, there, I don't have the noisemakers, but like, yay, Happy New Year. Imagine we're <laughs> like doing the crackers that yeah, swirl, the little squirrel that. thing, and then, <laughs> and then confetti falls. Woo! The emojis for New Year. Boo! Fireworks. Boom! 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 When your phone buzzes, because <laughs> you got that's that's all that's happening. It's it's a lot. <laughs> Just imagine in your head, it's like very festive. <laughs> yes, way more festive than the energy at the ceremony that we saw in chapter nine. Yeah, because as we discussed last episode, hmm? sorry, said peep the transition. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, as we discussed last episode, right? Amari starts off this whole day, which is supposed to be festive and a celebration of like getting somewhere on your training journey towards becoming an important person at the bureau, with Bertha waking her and Elsie up so late that they're already like the ceremony is already five minutes ahead of whatever they're doing sleeping mostly so she whenever and when she is like talk back to like why are you acting like you knocked on my door when you clearly did not she has says oh you call me a liar so she's getting buck with 12 year olds for no reason and we have a lot of questions for her but also i feel like the answer is mama peters and she don't want it so that's where we are <laughs> on that our question um, is what is your problem and when are you gonna get it together and why no there's a lot of questions i'm sorry because girls are <laughs> um and then the badge ceremony actually like, um amari and elsie are able to show up and get in front row and like do their thing and when amari goes on um wait, i'm sorry i'm already four steps ahead um <laughs> When they sit there, Amari's already feeling some hate emanating from the statue beside her. And she's like, what is that about? Elsie gets on stage. She gets a silver badge and becomes a master inventor while also having to deal with tokenism, which is like, what is this ceremony supposed to be festive? Then the hater beside Amari and his twin sister, they become like the performance artists that they actually feel they need to be as they go on stage with all the accolades, hugs, and reporters just flashing at them. But the main event, that girl, that's Amari. And why is she that girl? (laughs) Because even when she shows up last minute, there's freaking reporters ready because she is getting a moon badge, just like her brother. And there's only been 13 moon badges handed out before her. It is that rare. The borough has been around for 700 years. Only 14 of these badges have gone out and one is now going to Amari. So you would think, hmm, hmm, fanfare, festivities, let's do it. But the crystal ball says Amari is a musician. And the way that the auditorium erupts afterwards, that's not a good sign. So here we are. She's She's a magician illegal <laughs> i guess y'all can't see my parentheses but <laughs> parentheses illegal parentheses illegal 
um, because that. And then it turns into a Trump rally with people being like, lock her up, lock her up. Hate it here. That's what the eruptions are. Yeah. And we hate it Um, here. So chapter 10. Um, I want to say, I don't think we discussed the like pictures at the beginning of the chapters. Oh yeah. Some of them like, I love them, but I really love Mm -hmm. them. Um, so yeah. like this one, like one of the is... things that I, that drew me into like the book, I was like, oh, that's cute. And yeah. then I remember whenever I was describing it to y'all in the chat, I was like, look, look at it. Look at it. It's look at these little pictures. <laughs> it's adorable. Um, so this one's like one of those like door signs that like hang on the doorknob and it says confidential meeting in progress. Um, but yeah, there's been ones every time. And I just, I don't know why this is the first time I've been like, we should actually talk about these. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so Amari is sitting in uh, a cold room at the end of a long wooden table. She's been, essentially, she's been rushed off stage and into a conference room um, by Chief Crow. But Amari is very confused because she's like, I have not been able to do any magic, um, not even magic tricks for beginners. <laughs> like the playset that she got for Christmas one time. Um, she didn't even know magic, real magic existed until like literally three days ago. Um so she's just very stressed, especially because Lost. then she also has heard, we've already like established that magicians are the enemies of the supernatural world. Um, so there's just a lot of questions about like, what does this mean? What's going to happen to me now that this has happened? You know what I mean? Um, so the conference room opens in a half dozen. Wait, adults. I just wanted to know oh, go ahead. that Amari went from being like feeling super isolated like in this whole experience because she doesn't know what's going on everyone else seems to know what's going on so her after having this really big thing happen to her on a big stage it's going to be like on broadcast at so many networks so getting isolated once again mm-hmm. like she just keeps going from isolation like, to isolation yeah and it's like even it's just like uh <laughs> enhanced in the way that the supernatural <laughs> abilities are when you touch the dang Chris, that's her talent to be isolated i hate that for her um, and like like yeah. that moment in the other in chapter nine where she was like, is, "Why do people react to me this way?" Like, see, mm-hmm. like it's just it's just so sad, and I feel like so sad for Amari. Like, yeah, just, and that's yeah. and that's also the thing I was talking about before. Like our last episode is just like at the beginning, it was just like there's really no reason for her to be treated this way. Um, and now, not that it's a good reason, but like now there's more of like a standing prejudice, I guess. So then now there's like and, a more specific thing on top of whatever the other things people were hating on before that. You know what I mean? Or sing- singling her and, out for. Sorry. Her mama doesn't know what's going on. No. And she doesn't have anyone. <laughs> Currently That's in this moment, thing. she doesn't know if she has anyone here to advocate for her. But she's mm-hmm. like, what is going to happen to me? And like, I feel, I personally feel like if you're 12 years old and you're asking the question, what is going to happen to me? You should have someone right next to you being like that's okay baby we'll figure it out together yeah i got this right or, if you're, even like, if yeah, you're or, a minor, i got this or some you know you should have yeah. an advocate especially because like we minor, see that in the first in, in the first chapter of like how right amari's mom will advocate for her and like hold her accountable but also advocate for her and like again the fact that she doesn't have that right now is problematic egregious but again as a minor you should not have be in a room full of adults by yourself that's just number one yeah two um i think that even as an adult i wouldn't want to be in a room full of what we're gonna about to see by myself mm-hmm. like it's excuse me 
Like you have to have someone there who knows the in and especially if you don't know the ins and outs. That's what like yeah. like, like uh, representation is for. Like you need mm-hmm. someone who knows who what's going on with the system and who can help like advocate for you like in an informed way. You if you're I'm going in there without any kind of information as Amari is, then how is she going to be prepared to handle anything that's going to be thrown at her? Like and you know that you're putting this questions knowledgeably. Yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah. But they they're knowingly interacting with a child who is under a lot of disadvantages to the situation that we're going yeah. to see here. Mm-hmm. Um, so six adults walk in. Um, one of them is Chief Crow. She So to her credit, the first thing she says when she sees Amari is asks if she's all right. Um, yeah. So I will say that that's like correct. to not go immediately into like interrogating her and like trying to figure out what's happening like she does first initially ask if she's okay um and then amari is like i don't you know what happened back there um and chief crow says that's what they're trying to figure out but in order to do so they're gonna have to conduct a test they ask if they can have amari's consent which again is a good question i mean or a good like a good thing to ask and to make sure you have her permission but um she's 12 but she's 12 and also she acknowledges that from the looks on everyone's faces her she really doesn't have a choice but to say yes um also sorry but they don't tell explain to her what's happening either like can we we have to run a test can we have your consent like what is right they don't say what the test is for what's gonna they don't introduce the rest of the people in the room What's going to happen with the results of the test? Like, you can't... Consent... Uninformed consent is no consent at all. Mm-hmm. Who? I just... We care about all these, like, quirky little departments. But where is your department of ethics? Because clearly... <laughs> <laughs> it is non-existent. <laughs> non-existent. And very needed. Necessary. Yes, where 100%. is it? <laughs> um... So Chief Crow asks um, Dr. Khan to come forward. Um, He is a jittery South Asian man in a long white lab coat. He steps forward um, and places a square piece of metal on the floor. And it it looks like a, it's basically like a scale, like, you know, like you're weighing yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but it's a magic meter. So it's actually, instead of like body weight, it's measuring your magical weight. (laughs) I guess. Um, so they have her stand on it. Um, and then the numbers rise. It settles on 97% and then it slowly creeps up to 100%. So Amari is 100% Black Girl Magic. Love that for her. But unfortunately, she's in a room full of adults who are haters. I just like, there's so many. <laughs> it's not even that they're just haters. It's more than it's that. Really but it's just thing. like, it, it's, yeah. It's just but it's point. like, <laughs> the level of their prejudice uh, the, and how it, like, colors how little they're able to even, like, comprehend that they should treat her like a child who mm-hmm. does not know mm-hmm. what the F is going on. Because not only is she just a child who does not know, don't know the intricacies of, like, how this bureaucracy works, but literally she doesn't know anything about this world. So, yeah. like, what? Excuse me. Like, for all she knows, it's normal to go on stage to a crowd full of reporters, have a crystal ball look is going to break, and then also go um, be tested 
afterwards. Like that's just right. this is supposed to be normal. Or that amount I mean, of magic she, is normal. Yeah. Or, I mean, I think she, she understands, understands from that it's, context clues that it's not, but yeah, she doesn't um, understand the, the gravity of it. Right. Um. Like she. She's like, I don't know what this means. Like. Um, yeah. Right. So but I'm just saying, like, means, she could have. She's a she doesn't know any of this stuff, so any of this could be any of this, like any of it, and that's that's the whole thing is like they she doesn't know any of this, and yeah. you don't. So, um, Doctor Khan says that she's the perhaps the most magical being that's ever existed, but also that her existence is a crime, which is like, how can you? How can if that ain't blackness? Right, like, literally. This reminds me like, of the Trevor Noah book, Born a Crime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If that ain't blackness, if, if being black it's isn't like being how, born, like, I'm, yeah, just exists magical and, and a crime, criminal and a crime. Um, you like everyone, every every adult figure in my life, unless they have had the white supremacy like drained out of their brain to some extent, is going to look at me like I'm up to something nefarious. Mm-hmm. So what is that? Yeah. Um. So the the bureau is, and she she is a crime according to them because the bureau is against people being too magical. They don't mind about like objects or whatever, but people they're against people being too magical. Um. So now Amari, like Chief Crow, is like Amari. We're gonna ask you some questions. So like now it's like again they say your existence is a crime. Now they're <laughs> ready to interrogate her as if she has done anything. Um, yeah. So Amari is like asking them, she's like, how did I get magic? Um, A stern faced man says, it is my hope that you might tell us, but it's like, y'all gave her the magic. She touched the crystal ball. Y'all gave it to her. Um, I mean, I guess it was dormant, but whatever y'all activated it. But this man is director Van Helsing department of the supernatural investigations. So he's the Van Helsing's and a hate ass hoe father and a whoo talk about it. Prime prime. (laughs) He's a prime hater. He's hater prime. Cause come on, if, he's... If, if, if Amari has zero enemies, that means this man is dead. This is <laughs> mm-hmm. literally exactly. exactly. Um. So Amari's like, I don't know. I touch the crystal ball like everyone else, and then Director Van Helsing bangs his fist on the table so hard it makes everyone jump. I'm like, sir. First of all, these are adults. These are children. Who have, you got yes. kids the same age as this kid. Right. And I need you to please is this, relax. Is this how you treat your children? Are you an abusive freaking I mean, parent? Let's get there. Let's go. Because what, what are we doing? But it's also like, and we'll get a little bit more into this. Like when we, so he's asking her like, where did the magic come from? And it's like, this seems like a very philosophical question that, like, <laughs> even if she did somehow get the magic, she wouldn't really know. Are right? y'all like, supposed to teach Y'all this? don't know like, I said, where the magic... Like, covered by your coursework? Like, I... Like, it's if so, y'all so... don't know where the magic came from... It's very interesting. How do that, I know? Like, even if I am point... a magician... Yeah. I mean, we'll get, like, some of the, like, background on, like, how the Knight Brothers got their magic, presumably, even though I don't really believe that. But, like... Mm. It it's, just feels like these are unanswerable questions. Like you're yeah. asking like philosophical, existential questions to a confused twelve year old. And, and her I mom. But also, her. it makes the point. Like, it's interesting that as we kind of go through this chapter, like obviously this is something that's never happened before. But like, it's also very interesting how there are still there are things about magic that like these people who are meant to like control it don't know about yeah like don't understand 
Um, but also, like, for for this man to do questioning this way, in which he is setting up the person he's being questioned to, like, fail the questioning. Mm-hmm. Like, why is, why is this man? Like, his badge says, like, director of, like, their enforcement arm. Like, sir, if this is how you teach your people to, like, hold interrogations, then this is highly... Highly freaking unethical. Highly, it should be illegal. I don't know what your legal legal system here, but if you make the rules, uh, uh-uh. no, bad. Um, he even goes so far as to uh, uh, accuse her of the hybrid attacks that are happening in the outposts around the country, which is like because it's common knowledge that only magicians can create hybrids. But it's like she's had dormant magic. She don't know what's going on. How is she gonna do that if she don't have magic before she touches? Also, like, like, do y'all have no what's sense? Like. You didn't do any background checks on her. You just let her walk on right. and you didn't know where she was a week ago. A week ago, right. she was at school. A couple days ago, she was under like restriction until y'all had her come out and you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you could look at her, I would like to think if someone if you're inviting someone to your summer camp, you've done some sort of like check, background check. Yeah. Um, so before Van Helsing can like do again, any more damage, the door swings open and agent Magnus steps through and says, I'm here to speak on the kid's behalf, which like shout out. Thank you. <laughs> like, thank you. Because we, this is not going to work. Somebody needs you. <laughs> Somebody needs to be speaking on the kid's behalf. Um, so he comes in with a tall lady with fiery red hair. Um, Van Helsing is not happy that Magnus is here. He's like, this is a director level meeting. Magnus is like, I don't give a I don't care. I do not care. <laughs> um, even though technically Van Helsing is his boss. Um, but still, you can't you're not just gonna like, ambush this kid. Like, come on. But come if on, all sir. these directors are in a room and they're allowing this man to make all these unethical questioning tactics, then maybe y'all need some people who are not directors in a room. Because, excuse me, why do you have free reign to just do whatever the F you want to say to Amari? Mm-hmm. also though i was thinking about the fact that like another reason why you shouldn't have you shouldn't make like mythical hero figures out of your officers is that like van helsing is magnus's boss but like magnus is the one in the brochures looking like a superhero right. so what you gonna fire him right like you know how much money it's gonna cost to print up the propaganda to like you know what i mean like he has a <laughs> lot print. of influence and, po- and and power because y'all mm-hmm. have propped him up to be a hero yeah um crow is like let magnus in because he was close to quentin and so might have more information um and then they have the other woman with the red hair her name is agent fiona they have her or they ask if she can read or reveal amari's intentions um so we find that this is her power is to like read people's intentions which is kind of dope not gonna lie i wonder what her like talent was before she got enhanced or whatever but also, is that kind of similar to um, Elsie's auras? Like, I wonder how close yeah, it seems kind of yeah, or like it but seems except, kind of except, similar. But I feel like I would say except Elsie's is like Elsie has magic. You know what I mean? Before, so like her talent is enhanced to a different magical ability. But like the aura was kind of innate in her abilities as a were dragon. Um, but I also think your aura is more of like what is like your intention behind it, right? Like so, like. You could see the, like, Elsie would be able to, like, read Amari's aura and see that she's worried or see that she's, you know, angry when she told her about, like, being able to read auras, but not understand that she's, like, angry because she feels 
like violated, mm-hmm. right? Or you know what I mean? Like I don't. It could to me. It feels like my sense is that Elsie's ability to read auras is still going to leave a lot of interpretation, a lot of room for interpretation because you can be angry, but there's like a million different reasons why you're angry, or you can be apprehensive, but like, what is your intention? Um, so aura is like more emotion and intention can kind of give you a sense of like plotting, planning. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So she's checking intentions. Um, well, again, Fiona also is like kind, very chill <laughs> when interacting <laughs> with Amari. Um, tells her there's no need to be frightened and says, if you'll allow it, I'm going to check out your intentions for being here. Um, you'll feel you'll, yourself go still for a bit, and that's but that's the worst of it. So again, she's like setting up expectations for what she's going to feel before just like putting doing magic it. on her. Um, if you've truly like, got nothing to hide, says v- Director Van Helsing, then you'll have no objections to, uh, to our proving it. And I'm just like, please. But also please like, find the nearest cliff and just... <laughs> Fiona is the first adult who has taken the time to explain to Amari the procedures that are about to happen mm-hmm. in this moment. Not, right, because with the magic uh, meter, they were just like, stand on it. But also, like, the, uh, the where I think is what his name was, uh, the one that she first met whenever she uh, had to show up in that um, designer suit. Oh, yeah. Um, he didn't even explain what he was put, making her put in her mouth without sanitizing it first. So, mm-hmm. like, like, none of the adults... But Fiona have actually been like, oh, let me explain what's about to happen to you since she's been part of this world. I also think it's really interesting that like, I was thinking about this when we talk about like, who gets to decide like what's violent or what's bad or what Mm -hmm. is like moral. And the idea that like, if you have nothing to hide, you should have no problem with someone like in like invading, invading your, your personal privacy. space and your privacy mm-hmm. and like you know what I mean it's like I, maybe I don't have anything to hide but I still I don't understand this magic I don't have anyone advocate I'm 12 um I've been I've been I've grown up and been taught to like not just like let adults touch on you you know what I mean like mm-hmm. there's a lot of reasons beyond guilt why someone would be hesitant to allow this thing especially because like for Amari like her intent is to find her brother and so she already understands too that like they're keeping all of that stuff confidential. So she had kind of decided when she spoke with Elsie last night, like, or the night before that she was going to have to do more work to understand and uncover what was going on with Quentin. Um, that's enough of reason for me to be like, I don't really want you to know my intentions if you're going to try to stop me from finding my brother. Right. But also I think, uh, just knowing that Quentin is missing for, um, in this world and they're asking her all these like advanced interrogation technique things. And it's like, y'all are asking all of this of me, but one, y'all haven't told my family anything about where my brother is. And two, y'all haven't found my brother. Like, y'all like you haven't found him, but also like, like you why should i trust you if y'all can't even do a thing with a person that y'all knew well like what is that what why should i trust Mm y'all but i you know what i just thought about too is like who's to say that the 
Bureau isn't the one keeping Quentin. What you know? Exactly. If Amari has all of this magic. Maybe they find out that Quentin has magic, and they're like, the ones. You for, know what I mean? For like, all she knows, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for all she knows is what I like. You know, yeah. so it just brings up a lot of reasons. And like you know, again, she's black. Shane just gonna be trusting the state like that. I don't care if she is twelve. <laughs> we don't. We don't just blindly have faith in like people with badges. Yeah, I mean, Newsflash. unless you grow up in a place where they tell you to do that, and you're just like, okay. Yeah, we see it. Yeah. Um. So, Fiona reads her intentions. Um. And is basically like they're she like they might as well be as big as the neon. They might be sorry. She says they might as well be in big neon letters across her forehead. They're so easy to read. Um. Ba- first off, she's ready to bolt for the door if she's not treated fairly. Um. And second, she's here to find Quentin. Like those are her main things. Fair um, representation. <laughs> exactly and but of course that's not enough for van helsing he's like oh any magician would uh be able to deceive you or whatever um so first it's like if you didn't have anything to this. hide you would have no problem with y'all doing this and then it's like now that these results aren't what i want to hear you were able to you're lying or manipulate them anyway because of mm-hmm. who you are so like moving she's like the field post. Yeah, moving mm-hmm. the goalposts. situation. He's the worst. Um the So worst. then he's like then and then he decides to get offended because he's like, Do you think there's something you could be doing better? My best agents were on that search. And it's like, yeah, but Amari doesn't know that. You don't she know doesn't that? know anything. She literally has no clue. She just got here. So she said also- he got here to be like, I'm looking for my brother. She doesn't know if she just found about the out about the ages last night in the little uh brochure or whatever. Like, so she doesn't know what y'all have done. You guys won't tell her. Um, but also, quite frankly, if this is how y'all are freaking handling things, y'all just gonna bombard people with questions willy nilly and act like they're freaking presume them freaking guilty before you even give them any like leeway for things. Then maybe I do question how you've been running your investigation. Perhaps mm-hmm. I shall. Right. Um, so Chief Crow is like, we're all sorry about Quentin. Um, I'm relieved to hear that Amari means us no harm. Um, but there's still a troubling matter of how she became a magician. Uh, apparently it's been more than two centuries since the last rogue magician, uh, emerged and he quite famously blew himself up. Um, so how is that supposed to help Amari in this moment? Like y'all are just throwing things that are going to make her more, she's already an anxious child. She's Mm -hmm. even more anxious by all the hateration she just went through in the ceremony and she's even more anxious of how y'all are freaking treating her and she feels like she said like the description of her like um is her like just like being anxious and like shaking and it's like what like are you serious like she's shaking under your like interrogation and you're just like oh yeah well the last magician we know of exploded are you serious <laughs> well they're not trying to make they her just, feel no secure they, yeah that's not, not the point I mean that's clear, but like y'all can y'all can like they don't have even the barest like this is a child. Mm-mm. I just yeah, I they don't they don't care. And it's like so then um this other dude his name is Director Crypt um and he's obviously from the Department of the Dead. <laughs> I did not I just not got the, it when you, you said know, Crypt. Not yeah, yeah. I hate it. I love it. Sometimes crypt, but sometimes yeah. (laughs) Sometimes it's fun whenever you read the thing aloud that you like. Yeah, that's when it like gets. Yeah, it like makes sense in your head or makes sense. Um, so he's like, the bureau only has one policy for dealing with magicians for over seven centuries: lock them up and throw away the key. And I'm like, sir, 
again, this is a child. Um, a few but of also, the other directors. Agree. No wonder why you have such a bad relationship with magicians. With magicians, okay, literally, because y'all are literally just like. This is how y'all react. Just yeah, this is how y'all react immediately, as opposed to if you're immediately going to criminalize somebody, then like, what else for do you being. expect them to do? Just for literally for existing. And how would their this, existence this is, is a crime? Do. You lock them up, yeah. and then you expect them to what not be angry and resentful about that, <laughs> like. But like, as far as y'all know, this is the uh, the only musician you've heard of in centuries. But there can be other musicians out there because they know how y'all gonna react. So how? Why would they show up on your radar? You don't know what what be going on under the scenes. Like, why would they come and go through this? Like, they don't. No one wants to be put to the third degree just because of how their abilities show up. And I literally wrote a note here that's just like ethics ex- exclamation mark <laughs> informed consent exclamation mark a uh, mark um, Mama Peters exclamation mark <laughs> literally somebody get Mama Peters on the phone child like this is on the line okay. over here lock them up and throw away the key uh uh-uh. uh where's her uh uh-uh. uh where's Mama where's Peters your mama um, um so the directors are nodding in agreement um. One director, not director, them nodding in agreement to lock her up. Well, not only that, director focus of the Department of Magical Sciences suggests that she be taken to the lab to be studied. So it's like getting very um, informed consent. Where is my mama? It's Where's my mama? Very extreme and like really problematic. Um, Magnus is like over my dead body. Um, it's just getting it's getting very heated. Um, in the words of Beyonce. Um, please, everyone, just calm down, says Chief Crow. We need to be thoughtful about how to proceed. Um, and then Magnus is like, can I start by acknowledging that the kid's supernatural ability didn't pop up as evilness or sprite? Or spite, sorry, sprite, hell well. Um, as evilness Wait. or spite. I had a question. Has that happened yeah. before? Like, do people's, do people's ability to pop up Possibly. Somebody's in, talent like, could be, somebody's talent could be pettiness. <laughs> I feel like if somebody had a talent for being petty, like it could, yeah, you know possibly. what I mean, like it enhance into like villainy, maybe. Potential, like what is supernatural villain, right? In parentheses, illegal, illegal. <laughs> um, I also wonder too, like we don't get much understanding about like obviously it's like they're something that they're talented in is enhanced. But, like, we don't get a sense of what they're able to tap into beforehand, right? So, from what we know so far, like, Elsie tinkers around and makes stuff, and so she's, like, smart and and inventive. Um, And that's something that, like, any child has, right? But there's no magic in what she's... Well, I mean, I guess there was magic in the sneak candle, right? Like, only certain... I assume no, that's I magic. No, I think it, it was... It was technology. Well, maybe maybe I mean, the, the radio... Those things go hand in hand, but... Right. Yeah, maybe the magic radio is just technology we don't understand yet, but, like... Yeah. But, yeah, so we... But we don't really have a good sense of... How much they're able to tap into innate magic before it gets enhanced from? I from think this the point is that they don't. Humans the don't. idea is that they shouldn't have any, right? So then, like, yeah. and Amari hasn't. I feel like if with that's the what you candle, know, 
I feel like with the sneak handle, though, like, Elsie has access to magical technology. So even if she herself mm-hmm. is not doing the magic, she still has access to other technology. Yeah, because, because of where of, she lives. where and... she grew up and all that kind of stuff. But from, so I don't know, I'm, my thing is just like, you can't have it both ways, right? So you can't say that like, the Bureau is all knowing or all whatever, and then also say that like, Amari has access to this stuff or knows how to like manipulate these things if she doesn't have any access to the power until it's granted to her. So then obviously they must know that like, Merlin's crystal ball isn't the only way that people get power. And yeah. they're not sharing I think that they information? Defini- no. Well, I, I think, think that's that what they, they're trying to argue here. I think they're trying to yeah. argue that if she is actually on an up and up, the only way she would have had any powers is if she would have uh, in this ceremony. So the fact that she has had, she has this much power pre-ceremony, because the only way she could dial up to 100 after the ceremony is like if she already came in with a level of magicality means that she illegally got magical powers prior to her being part of the ceremony that's what they're trying to argue but then my other thing is like well common sense would tell you if she had access to all this stuff she wouldn't walk into the bureau and put her na- put her hand on the crystal ball yeah but they're racism and prejudice does not operate yeah. on they're playing, they're playing, they're playing, the, they're playing <laughs> the girl doesn't know enough to um to not do that to not come in prepared but she does know enough to be able to be prepared for all of our enhanced interrogation techniques including this woman she just met today yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah so magnus stands up for her and is like it's stop let's stop treating her like she did something wrong director cobblepot of the department of supernatural licenses and records um sorry i just have to read these names because they're hilarious um is like we've all heard the terrible stories aren't we there's no such thing as a good magician so it's again they're just playing into these stereotypes which are undoubtedly <laughs> enhancing the like the reason just, why there's no such thing as a good magician in the first place it's like why would i be good <laughs> under your like definition if you're gonna assume that i can't be like, but you also know, your you definition my abilities that i can't be yeah, but if you're gonna keep moving goalposts for good, there's no way I'm ever gonna meet what you say is good. Like we, you're you're setting me up to never achieve whatever you think I. I don't even think they're. Achieve. I don't even think they're getting to goalposts at this point. They're immediately. Mm-hmm. There is no like standard that she can reach to convince. But them. I'm at saying least like, at this point, good? it's literally what is good? good is not a magician. Yeah, <laughs> clearly that's that's what it is. There's no like it's very black and white at this point. There's no nuance towards it. It's not like. I mean, eventually it will we'll get there, but at this point, it's literally just you're either good or you're not, um, which again just does not track at all <laughs> for how like anything works. Um, so yeah, again, like they somebody mentions or the Saint Cobblepot mentions how close they came to canceling camp this summer because of the hybrid attack. So like, I think also. It's worth mentioning, not an excuse, but just like more context is that they are also on high alert because of all these other things that have been happening outside of the um, camp and these attacks. Um, so that they do not know who's behind. They them don't know who's behind so it. They haven't been able to catch also anyone. Trying to like answer this mystery by putting the blame on Amari as well. Yes. Like, oh, we solved it. She walked yeah. it in. She worked. 
mm-hmm. facility. Wizard Team is brought to you by Black Nerds Create, a collective providing content through the lens of critical and creative fandom. If you want to support or partner with BNC on projects like Wizard Team, let's build. Find out how at blacknerdscreate.com support. Okay, so before, so then there's more shouting because can't nobody just talk uh, calmly about the situation. Um, somebody clears their throat. Uh, we find that Director Crypt is holding the head of an elderly brown man in his jacket. This, okay, I'm gonna say, and like I think I might have mentioned it last episode too. Like, I just love, even in these moments where things are like, you know, things are bad people are acting unethical these adults are trash there are these like little moments of just like magical quirkiness that just like pop up and you're just like this is actually kind of delightful even though i'm like seething right now um (laughs) i love you see this disembodied head as kind of delightful (laughs) well no because okay i know that i'm already at home but i got up off the couch packed my stuff, called my mama, and went home again. Like, I did okay, the whole thing. Okay, but my thing is, no. is I read this. So this is this dude. He's he's a he's a head. He's, he's brown. I give him that. He's the director God. of The Unexplained. And I immediately thought of the head detective from In Living Color. That was my first. <laughs> I thought of, of Damon Wayans with the hat and the little shoes sitting mm-hmm. on the desk. Like, that's what I thought about. So my I thought it was funny. Where Futurama... <laughs> Um, with the like the heads of like figures in like jars and stuff, mm-hmm. and also like Wednesday Adams with like thing, but like instead of thing, it's like a head. And I was just like, okay, all right. So this is just it's it's, it's spooky and it's kooky. It's both. Yeah, like, and I'm with it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just the, it's just my one reference of those was a disembodied head <sighs> being plopped on a desk and me calling my mama again. <sighs> I yeah, I just wipe my memory. I just thought it was like again, I just think it breaks up the like tenseness. The tension. Yeah, yeah. 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 It breaks it up a little bit. It like gives you a breath. In the like we haven't resolved anything. The conversation is still happening, but it just kind of takes you out for a second and be like, okay, we're still in this like magical world. That is, you know, shocking, but Okay, cool. Like, you know what I mean? It kind of helps to ground in the world, mm-hmm. gives a little reprieve before we go back into nonsense. Into Robin's credit, like, Amari's reaction is very much a natural reaction to someone yeah. who has never seen this before. She says, uh, where's the rest of you? And then dude is like, back in my office taking a, a restful nap. Um, so he used to have flexibility and then it became detachability when he touched the crystal ball. So now he's, I guess he's just like, I don't feel like walking. I'm just in my head. Oh, I know this is a like code red, you know. <laughs> this is well, like a serious situation, but I'm trying to nap, so you just got to that. Take imagine that. being that was my second friend. thought, though. My second thought was like, why is and director Crypt is just fine? Like this is he. This is an arrangement that this he just like, likes to do for him. Yeah. He's, he's like, my he's like yeah, like, hey. I don't care you. I don't mind carrying your head. Let's go. You go into that thing. He, he didn't. He didn't pull him out of the 
coat as soon as they walked in. He's been right. holding his coat. Like, and I'm like, he just, he just like pulls out his coat. He's like, get in, loser. We're going to the meeting. Like, is that what happens? <laughs> like, what are we doing? It's honestly, it's hilarious. It's so funny. I would never be this man's friend. <laughs> Ayo, since you going to that thing, can you swing by and pick up my head? No. <laughs> Walk your lazy behind. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> what do you mean? But like, it's so funny. Did you wash your hair? Because last time I took your head to a meeting, I had grief that I couldn't get out of my coat for two weeks. No. But surely he wouldn't me. know you because if he, if he knew you like that, you know what I mean? He'd be like, oh no, Robin don't go for that. Like and the last time she saw something disembodied, she'd like freak the F out, act like she was come back to the bureau ever, ever again. And without sabbatical. She was not. She was not with it. So I would never. You know, he could. Yeah, he would never be his friend. He would never ask you. Oh, it's so funny. If I, I would be like, I would literally have a sign on my door that is like, all body parts must remain on your person at all times. All the body parts in my. All the body parts you came into the bureau with must. You leave with. (laughs) Unless there's like you know. uh, Yeah, uh, people a loss they have like, that's what i'm saying that's why like all the ones you yeah. came into you no, came into the you bureau had them with when you came you leave you with have them. them when you come into my office Hmm. i feel like that's fair for in some ways but i also think leave this is nobody delightful. Part I, behind. I think if i was in the situation i'd be shocked but i just reading it i think it's hilarious i love it also it helps that he's like not on the terrible White. side so he um so then he says as director of the unexplained i believe a, the great many unanswerable questions surrounding young amari uh here mean that she falls squarely under my jurisdiction um, okay pull so, rank mr yeah flexible. he said also, you know what might as well I think he's, he's like something. he's like the embodiment of flexibility he's like not only am i flexible in body i am mm-hmm. flexible in mind exactly in um so he says when faced with a mystery one must first determine if said mystery presents danger we've established that she means no immediate harm um the next step is to not project our own prejudices onto the mystery but rather allow the mystery to reveal itself to us in its own time which is to say i believe we should allow the girl to stay if she wants to she'd be monitored of course but discreetly um also it may be prudent to explain to her exactly why a magician has caused such a commotion this man the first listening he did not leave his ears yes. at his office okay no he, <laughs> he did brought not. his ears with him he said i need to hear what's going on here and come up with a good important uh like something that's just rational like we're just sitting here with all these shouting See, adults and i and think that's like came the, through and was like the okay. detachment right like he's able mm-hmm. to like emotionally detach as well like you were talking about with flexibility of mind mm-hmm. like he's also able to like be detached and like be like okay well let's treat this let's like think- any like we would treat any other mystery mm-hmm. um and not assign motive or guilt especially when we already know her intention because exactly we just read about it or whatever but like he still needs to put it, put his head back on his body. I just, <laughs> that is out of pocket. It's un- unacceptable. It's just not his priority right now, Robin. No you know? shoes, no shirt, no body, no service. Discrimination. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. Okay. So. They decide finally that they're going to explain what's up with magicians and why people 
find that think that they're evil. Um, so they explain that before the Bureau existed, there was no separation between the known and unknown world. Um, humans lived alongside supernaturals. Supernaturals performed magic in the open. Um, but with all of the magic that existed, humans didn't have any. Um, until the Knight Brothers, Sergi, uh, Vladimir, and Raul Moreau, they were, you know, they were like, nah, the same fair. I want magic. So instead of um, getting the 35, they, so it says they weren't satisfied with 35% magicality of a common elf or even 50%. Ooh, of wait a, a minute. Hag. <laughs> yeah. Merlin, this is this is my my thing. Not Merlin, Merlin, Merlin himself. Yeah, Merlin I forgot, is an we elf, didn't mention that Merlin is cha- here. We yes. didn't mention that from last. On page chapter. thirty, they mentioned that Merlin is an elf. Merlin mm-hmm. is out here running with thirty five percent magic. Amari, well, I don't know if he's a common elf, so he might have a little bit more. Okay, still running through with he definitely doesn't have negative fifty mag- percent magic. And Amari's yeah. coming through with a hundred percent. Black girl you know magic. Black excellence. <laughs> Exceeds any measurement. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <sighs> Not even Merlin himself can say that he can uh uh-uh, he can he can't even body Amari. But that's how that's how Amari's magic is. You can't even spell Amari. Anyway. Okay. Um, I mean- <laughs> Not even because of racism. Just because <laughs> <laughs> Um Okay. So Instead of, they didn't settle for 35 or 50, they gave themselves more power than any single being has a right to possess. Um, gave themselves? They, like, how do we know that, though? Well, it's also, like, how? they. I don't know that they know even... I mean, and I guess... Yeah. Poss- it's a possibility that they're also, like... Or they're definitely giving her an abbreviated version of this. Um, and they are. The Knight Brothers, thing, like- so, we'll, we'll be clear. The Knight Brothers themselves are also absolutely evil. So, it's not, like... It, the problem here is that they're taking the actions of like these two people who were the first magicians, presumably, but like were also did some that like know really heinous things, right. That they know of, but they did some really heinous things in public. Um, yeah. But they're attributing that to the whole, they're attributing mm-hmm. that to all the magicians that have come after them. Um, yeah. So, but my thing is like, also like giving percentages and like gave them, they had more than any right person could possess, should possess. How much do you, th- and how much do you know they had? Honestly, like can, was it measurable? Because well, I think it was probably with the, when would they allow the, allow you to measure them? I could, I mean, I don't, we don't know that much about them, but they seem very dramatic. And so I could see them stepping yeah. on a magic meter, like, look at me. Yeah, the big boss, a hundred percent. Well, I don't think they have hundred percent. Ninety-seven percent magicality. Come see about eighty-five. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. The way you said that, I just now think of the Knight Brothers as being like the hoteps of the magical world. Ninety-five percent magicality. Grand rising, you know. And oh my god, grand rising magician. Um, you deserve more. We was we was magicians. Like she's just, um. I also want to talk about the fact that they conquered old age and death, which I just feel like, why does every, I don't know if we, it's like, so, so annoying. annoying. What is up that with is all these so evil annoying. people? And I mean, you know what? I, I'm not, I guess in some ways I, like, I feel like I'm, I'm answering the question for myself as I'm asking it. Cause the question is like, how, what is it about these like people and they're like wanting to conquer death and like fear of death or whatever. But I feel like that also makes sense. You're so like, afraid and arrogant of 
like arrogant you know what i mean like oh Mm. i am somehow more special than all these people so i'm not gonna die not gonna die in the world well like they they're making it worse the point is they're making it worse you know what i mean they see it as this like they're like i'm not like these people i'm more powerful than these people i deserve to stay here and shape the world as i see fit um i deserve to have 85 90 percent magic like forget all these other people we deserve to rule over these people like i think that it it does make sense it's just trash um but they also see death as to conquer they see death as something that like is like it is like a like being human but it's not even just human like being any living thing Mm -hmm. comes with death and they see themselves like above not only above like like death but but also like as death as being something that is like something that is like disdainful like just like crude and like Mm -hmm. not like well put like it's just like so it's like it's just like underneath them like beneath them for death to be a thing yeah but i don't want to sound like an ist of any sort but i just am always taken by how much uh, most of the figures that we read in fiction who have this like plot in life are usually uh white of the caucasian persuasion <laughs> and, and i just feel like people with persuasion because <laughs> i feel like people who have melanin are like not concerned with because it's like i mean we don't crack well, we I, we're chilling it, it made me think of like black panther where they're like death is not the end and that's like a big part of their belief system is like yeah culturally culturally it's just like death is not and i think that a lot of people that have faith to a certain extent like that is also something that's true like death is not the end and it feels like a large part of this world beyond like the magic is also like the tech marrying that with technology and like you see a lot of people who don't believe in like a higher power or if they think that like magic is the highest power then like it does kind of make sense that they don't have a belief system that that like imagines another plane of existence or a, a second life um or beyond um so that kind of makes sense to me. To me, it's just, I'm not trying to be old and dusty. I'm not trying to, with like vampires, right? Like they have to like change they use a spell their called like, vampire. So literally, yeah. they gotta, they have I'm to not trying to drink, drink blood. blood to live forever. <laughs> drink the blood of innocence. Like, I'm not blood trying to turns drink, my I'm not, stomach. Like, what does that do to my blood pressure? What kind well, of, like, you know, like extra, like, is that gonna give me the itis after I drink it? I have to go to sleep. Like, I don't know. I'm just not trying to imbibe on that. I'm not trying to do none of that. I just wanna live. And then when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. This is me personally. But also, Personally. like, you've made peace with that. And, like, as we were saying, I'm there trying are a lot to get out of here as quickly as possible. Not, yeah. yeah. People, but there's lots of people who have made they, peace with that. And, but I don't Why like, can't like, they go find another planet? Spend that time searching the cosmos. That's what you would do. Fix global warming. That's what someone who has any care for humanity would do. It just they seems... They're at 85% magic, Robin. They're above. They're not human. Cliche. Forget human. You know, I just don't want to be a cliche. I don't want to be a cliche. They said, fuck humanity as a set. <laughs> I know that Dahlia's going to hear this and be like, Dahlia's going to be like, well, that sounds like a four talking. But I, I okay, I just don't want to be 
predictable like that. That just seems very basic. Yeah. Um, no one accused them of being um, imaginative or creative. No, just evil. No, yes. Um, so uh, Fiona picks up where Crow left off. Um, clearly, the supernatural folks didn't take kindly to humans terrorizing uh, the land and upsetting the peace. Um, humans and supernaturals banded together to bring down the Night Brothers. Um, it seemed hopeless until my ancestor says Director Van Helsing because mm. this guy. Uh, Abraham Van Helsing drove a stake Mm. through Vladimir's heart a blow that sent Moreau into hiding and scattered their forces it's just like bro please relax like you didn't do that so why are you so excited like can you chill (laughs) I ain't got nothing to do with you (laughs) he's one of on the strength of my ancestors courage certain humans were privileged to remain in contact with the supernatural world um (laughs) and enforce laws meant to keep his existence secret so it's also like this is the forming of like the bureau is a direct response to the terrorism to of the Knight, the Knight Brothers. Brothers. Um, so for the nearly seven hundred years that the bureau has existed, Moreau has continued to create new magician apprentices um, until he finally captured uh, Maria and Quentin, or he was finally captured captured by them. Sorry. Um, the newer magicians have been the cause of great tragedies and terrible disasters. Um, humanity was never meant for such power it corrupts the soul which again i think is very um he's definitely just, like projecting of, his own yeah i'm like it's a lot of it. and like because my thing is is like the the through line or the um what's the word uh like the thing that's the same uniting these magi- okay. ma- magicians, right? Is that like these newer magi- magicians were trained by Moreau. It's Moreau yeah. who is who is corrupting these people's souls and like giving them these specific kinds of outlooks and um like having them do like, you know, become evil people or whatever. Um Amari doesn't know this man. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. how would you expect her to just be evil off rip like she did not she has not been indoctrinated in either direction because she just got here so the idea that like magicians are evil in in and of themselves when really they, just the two yeah. men who became magicians in order to like further their already like before yeah. they even had the magic they had these ambitions right so it's not like having the magic did that they did. They became magicians with the intention of wreaking havoc and not dying, um, right? Because if you think about it, like if this is true, and I, I mean, I'm sure it's not. I'm yeah, the I'm sure it's origin not story true. being true of like them stealing magic. The problem is that they were thieves and they stole magic. Like right. not the magic. It's you know what I mean. Like you are, like you said, like you already have to be kind of corrupt to want to have the impulse to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest like so beyond it just like it doesn't make logical sense um and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that you tell people that they're evil or you tell them that they're a out outcast in society then they are going to work against society that just seems like a duh to me this seems like a great i don't know i just feel like someone with the level of like director of special investigations or director of the department of supernatural affairs would have enough like forward thinking to be like, this is an opportunity. 
let's like treat Amari like she is special, get her on our side, and have a magician capable of fighting and going after other magicians. That's what they did with like, isn't Blade like a half? I don't, mm-hmm. never mind. I'm not going to go there because I don't know Blade. Because I was too, I'm scared. I don't watch that stuff. I don't Agreed. read that stuff. I'm scared. <laughs> but, you know, they used to have like, oh, the Van Helsing. I watched a part of that movie before I got too scared and no doubt. And she's like part werewolf or part vampire or whatever. And then she goes and fights the vampires. That would take. she's a, like equal well, on their like power level. Yeah. But that would take a level of like Karen discernment that I could see them possibly having for one of their own kids. But Amari's already an outsider. So why would they even give her that? That's why they need to call Homegirl with the the special ability to be uber organized. This is where she comes in. What is her name? I already forgot it. She's a child. Aspen Matthews with freakish organization skills would have the forethought to be like, we can ca- we can train Amari, we can study her and catalog in the ways and give her the like like security and resources and build her up to love the bureau and work with us. Call Aspen. Aspen know what's up. <laughs> um okay, so as so they keep going. Amari's still trying to, you know, figure out where she fits in on it. Um, she's saying, she asks if they're saying the magic she has is bad. Um, the talking head, who still doesn't have a name, um, right. is saying, like, at, be- at, at best, they don't know. Um, at highest concentrations of magic, they don't know what effects it will have on her now that it's active. Um, like, then they kind of talk about the crystal ball and how it shattered. But then... Um, Doctor Fo- or Director Focus, sorry, says that there actually is no damage to the crystal ball um, and the magic. Wait, wa- sorry. Works. I know uh-huh. this is, we're trying to move, but uh, this is when we learned that this is Merlin's crystal ball and oh, that yes. Merlin is apparently alive. And I'm just like, what? Is he not a magician? Right. No, he's an elf. He's an elf. How old is Merlin? Like, is elfish just not, is just, I just. I think it's ugh. different. They okay. have, I don't know. I don't remember how, if, how much they like explain about elves, but um, Yeah. He has a different power set, I guess. But this man, Merlin is still alive. But also, that's what I wanted to I think that's the thing. Yeah, he's still alive, definitely. Um, But I think that's the other thing is that he's he's a supernatural being inherently. Mm -hmm. Like he's not getting his magic from the crystal ball. Um, He's already supernatural, and so whatever magic he got, he got. It's I think the idea is that magic corrupts humans specifically. Um, Ah. So, yeah, so the crystal ball is actually fine. Um, and, and Director Focus says that um, he thinks that Amari is an illusionist. That's, like, the kind of magic she has. Um, and if she possesses any other kind of magic in addition to this, such as what, uh, what's necessary to create hybrids, it remains to be seen. So, again, they don't have any proof at this point that she is... And it also... Attacking. So then it also begs the question of like there's different types of magicians or different special mm-hmm. specialties of mu- magicians and like one of the things that I wondered because Amari was worried about like not she didn't know what her <laughs> talent was and I was like thinking is that 
a talent of imagination and imagining a better like future or you know what I mean like having mm. the you what does she have like very vivid dreams or you know what I mean because like yeah to me it seems like creating an illusion should not be something that you're able to do accidentally right because yeah. you need to be able to like I I'm personally thinking about um Thanos and the reality stone at this point um but you need to create a coherent illusion right everyone even Amari herself believe that the crystal ball broke right so like where does that where is that coming from that she's able to like accidentally do that it like opens up so many questions I mean, I and these it, idiots are just like let's lock her up yeah i think there's definitely like 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 uh the the head said like they need time to figure out answers to these questions um so it's looking like they're gonna listen to him so they kind of wish they had more information they bring up the director of good fortunes and bad omens um director horace but he's out on sabbatical so they can't really like find him at the moment he's on some what are they wandering aisles so he's he's out here living his best life um, and how can I go to sabbatical on a wandering aisle? I would just like saying? I would like you to can't be find me. Literally, they're like, oh, right. it was last seen off the coast of Africa, but that was days ago. It could be anywhere. Right. Like, I love that for him. Like, <laughs> check for me wherever. Like, I'm gonna yeah. be where I'm gonna be, and I'll, I'll let you know when I'm ready. With exactly. About that. Check that out. Of internet office. connection and like the food that I want. I'm good. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um. So they go. So um. Director Van Helsing is still, you know, skeptical and angry and needs to relax. But uh, everyone else at this point has kind of decided. um, Wait, I have to bring up the hypocrisy of Van Helsing here because he says, is this a risk we're really going to take? And then he says that she that she might not be so bad because her brother is a hero. And I'm like, you don't want her to be able to rest on her brother who is alive and (laughs) actively doing good. Whereas you were just two seconds ago talking about how your ancestor, a man mm-hmm. who ain't been around for centuries, is the hero of this world or I'm whatever. I'm talking about that, like, See, we saw how his kids acted. Right. The, right. Like, so, like, sir. And then he did something else that was very hypocritical of him. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Like... He just be over here hypocriting and hypocriting, and I'm just like, <laughs> like you gonna say one thing out of your mouth and then do something else, and then no one's gonna call you on that. And I just don't like that. Like somebody needs to call this man out on writing on these laurels, and then like, yeah, going like after he wants Amari. Mm-mm. Yeah, he wants her, her memories erased um, of the supernatural a world world of her being a magician and then send her home to be watched like that makes any sense so she's just gonna go back she might not have memories of her being a magician but you're just gonna send her back with all that power because you can't get unaware of it so then if something happens to her she does not know like oh let me figure what's going on to me like what's what's happening to my body it just does not make any sense okay you not untap the crystal ball what's it been I don't think Cap. so. At least it doesn't. I mean, they have a sentence because they about it. talked about the fact that like she could. Well, I guess they didn't assume that if she didn't want to continue, she. They only talk about like erasing your memory. That's right. Yeah, they don't talk about getting like making it dormant because I would assume if they have the technology to dampen her magic, 
they that would have been the they first. would have been that. done they would just do that been done yeah mm-hmm. um so amari's like no if you erase my memories then i can never find my brother um but basically crow ends up coming to the decision she says she can see benefits to both requests um but let's not forget that it was quentin who nominated her there's not a person in this room who would question his judgment if he were standing here which is a big tell that like they trust him that much um and so oh, she that decides- was what my separate my second hypocrisy Oop. was oh uh-huh. is that he bad named like uh quentin like we're just gonna trust her because the strength of her brother after lauding how both his daughter and quentin had stopped the second night brother so because mm-hmm. he was trying to take like uh uh like basically credit. um credit for his ancestor and his daughter having stopped both of the night brothers or whatever so he's highly relevant but quentin is somehow like oh we can't rest on quentin like that's her brother excuse me right. he's trash he's um complete trash yeah so crow decides they're going to give uh, amari the benefit of the doubt but she will be on the shortest possible leash is what they say um and then says tells amari to prove that they're right to trust you prove or prove that we're right to trust you prove you belong here but they, you don't trust her. Ew, you don't. Like, there's how is she supposed to prove she's, that she belongs She's on the shortest possible lead. Setting her up for failure. And just the idea of having to prove to somebody that you belong in a place. Is yeah. Like, you, and you've already and, gone and, through the exact same things that everyone else has gone through. Um, you were nominated. But like whenever, else, whenever the whole time you've been there, they've shown you that you don't belong. They're gawking exactly. at you. They're do, like they're showing you left and right that you don't belong there. So how are you supposed to prove something that you've already shown me Decided. is not true? It just shouldn't be on her to do that. It, yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be on anyone to do that. It shouldn't be on anyone to have to do that. Can't prove a negative. No, nope. can't. All right, uh, real MVP of the chapter. Um, I said Magnus for coming in there and being like, I'm here to speak on her behalf. Like, at least some adult in there from Jump came in with the intention of, like, standing up for her. And he was a little, he was a little, his little, uh, energy for that first night wasn't messing with that. But now I'm like, okay, you, you are. Him right. saying that that was the first and last favor from him, I was like, oh, this man. But this isn't a favor. Yeah, exactly. But it's also like this isn't a favor. So you can kind of see more of his, like, mm-hmm. morals, you know what I mean? And, like, who he mm-hmm. is as a person. It's not just like, oh, this is because you're Quentin. It's also because, like, nah, this is a child and she should have someone who stands up for her and represents her in these kinds of situations. So. Um, I said Fiona for the same reasons. Like, I think that, like, Fiona's, a, like we said, the first person that tells her what she's going to do before she does it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very, like, calming. But then there's this line. Um, so, um, Director Cripp says, uh, the borough has one has had one policy for dealing with magicians for over seven centuries, locks them up and throw away the key. And then Magnus replies, over my dead body. And mine too, Amari thinks. And then there's this line. The red-haired lady moves to Magnus's side, leveling a withering stare at the directors who want me locked up. She and Magnus must be partners. And, it's, and Amari, like, kind of says, gives Magnus the credit for, like, step, 
for the over my dead body and being very loud about it. But Fiona gives me the sense that she's just very quietly got her morals as well. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm like, that's not happening. Um, And she doesn't have a relationship with Amari. And we don't, I don't think, believe she has a relationship with Quentin. And so I just feel like it's a little bit more like, I don't know, it made me feel a little bit more like in awe or or proud or wanting to give her the benefit, like the MVP because it feels like that's just like a blanket, like moral code for her. It's just like, we, we're going to treat her like a human and we're going to treat her with respect and dignity and we're not going to lock up a child and throw away the key. So mm-hmm. that's why Fiona gets it for me. Well, my MVP was the unnamed director of the unexplained. Um, not for his spooky and kookiness, but because not only did he come to the room with a rationality, but also a methodology. And as a researcher, I respect methodology. He said, first, you must determine if said mystery presents a danger. We've established there's no immediate harm. Next, we have to not project our own prejudices, which is going into research without putting your own prejudice into what you think the participants will be giving you, but actually allow the mystery to reveal itself on its own time. And then he goes, she could should be monitored, also part of the research methodology, but it will let the observations explain what's happening and not what we perceive to be the actions here to lead us. And I was like, as a rational minded person, as a practical person, and as a researcher, respect and see how that is what paved the way for Chief Crow to actually give a little leeway here because everyone else was way too reactionary and they needed that re- like practicality to come into the room. And I'm here for it. So I, I, I am F with him for that. I just wish the practicality would have came into the room with the rest of its body. But, you know, he has to be me. spooky and kooky somewhere. He can't. That's his mind me. is holding all of that. He has to have. That's a my own preconceived prejudice, Portia. <laughs> <laughs> That's your bias, okay? Oh That's my yes. Bring your um, whole self. Bring your whole self <laughs> to the room. Bring your whole self to the situation. It's a safe space. To the space. <laughs> this is a safe space to bring your whole self. <laughs> Um, benched. I benched Van Helsing with his hating ass. I'm, hate, I'm tired of him. Hate Van Helsing's right now are like three for four right now. <laughs> right now, maybe they three are for not five because Abraham at least you know he defeated uh, Vladimir. So three for five. That is a really. We don't know what win. Abraham was getting up to. Seven. We don't. But ago, I'm just though. saying, we based don't. on, I'm just saying off the strength of that. I don't know what else he got going on, but it's I could see him being a cool dude, and then based on the strength of his like infamy like his family getting a little too big in the head that's what it seemed like to mm-hmm. me um, or you can don't really know nothing about original. maria either but yeah. you know she was quentin's partner so i assume they were yeah on or, or he could be the og uptight person of the van helsing family abraham could and he's the totally. like they just all pass that down that's one of their uh bloodline things it's just a trait they all carry it's possible but Stormzy i'm, I'm for now i'm going too three, big for your boots yeah i'm going three for five right now it's it's definitely on benefit. it's definitely on like yeah I'm giving I'm giving the benefit of the doubt but it's probationary you know what I'm saying like so far mm-hmm. majority of Van Helsing's they so don't thin ice are, are trash like <laughs> 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 I need them to like please 
get it together. Get it together. Get some perspective. Something. Mm-mm-mm. Well, thank you for listening. Wait, did next... y'all say who nope. y'all benched? No, neither. Oh no, anymore. Portia didn't bench. Portia didn't bench. But you didn't bench either. You didn't either. Oh, I sorry. I, Van Helsing. <laughs> Everything that she said, cosign. Okay. I thought I just to me I was like, well, that's that on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I bench nearly every other authority figure. Like Magnus, okay, like I'll give Sun to him and Fiona fine. And then also the director of Then Explained. Uh Crow only skates through because she is the one who made the final say not be crappy. But throughout, like, she just, like, holds her head during the meeting as if she's used to them, like, going off like this. And I'm like, lady, this is how you run your meetings, first of all? Yeah. No. From what we've seen so far, she's very, like... She's a politician. Yeah. She's allowing allowing Van Helsing to have way more leeway than that man should have. Mm -hmm. And I'm not here for that. Um, The director that came in and tested Amari and the way that he was acting was not here for that. Um, I'm just not here for any of the authority figures. All the directors, doctor, director for uh, Crypt, doctor, uh, director, uh, chorus, all of them, all of them are awful. And so every authority figure here deserves the bench for me because not only because of how they've acted in the situation, but whatever policies and laws they've enacted must be put under a strong um, microscope because. If this is how they run things, putting people um, in freaking lock and key to like examine them without informed consent as minors, then y'all need to like look through all of the laws and writs of this freaking uh, bureau <laughs> and with a freaking strong freaking mag and go through all of that because uh-uh, mm-mm. this is like, how could he run? The- how could this run happen like this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Portia said audit, audit them all. Audit them all. <laughs> Um, well, um, thank you (laughs) for listening. Heated episode. Love that. Heated. (laughs) Um, Uncle Johnny made our dress. Um, (laughs) that girl's a mess. That whole Um, bureau's a mess. The whole bureau's a mess. Uh, (laughs) thank you for listening. Join us next week when we discuss chapter 11. Wizard Team is brought to you by Black Nerds Create. If you want to keep up with our other content, you can check out our website at blacknerdscreate.com. Follow us on Twitter at blknerdscreate, at Yana wrote it, at Robin underscore Rambles, at Portia. Um, and follow us on Instagram and Tumblr at blacknerdscreate. You can subscribe to our monthly magic newsletter. And don't forget to rate and review us on the podcasting app that you're listening to this on currently. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye. Happy New Year.